to Football Neophyte, where an American who knows a lot about sports, but little about soccer, uh, football, journeys through the 2018-19 English Premier League season to discover a team to root for. I'm your host, Nate Hughes. Welcome to this week's episode of the Football Neophyte Podcast. I'm your host, Nate Hughes, and today I have with me special guest, Matt Markstone. Matt is the host of a podcast called The Southampton Delivery. Matt, thanks so much for being on the podcast today. Oh, thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. It's so good. We're, we're videoing this, this podcast, not for, for release, but we're looking at each other and Matt has just this great setup, beautiful microphone, uh, definitely a pro here. So, so stoked to have you. <laughs> I, I, I fool people by not having the video on usually. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad I get to see it. I get to see what I can aspire to. First, I'm curious, delivery the name of your podcast is spelled with two L's. So before we jump into history and all the stuff about Southampton, I'm sure that has to do with the team. So could you explain a little bit where the name comes from? Yeah. So well before my time supporting the team, but um, the, the stadium that the team used to play in was called the Dell. And so as I was looking through um, thinking of names, I had, you know, kind of all these ideas down, but what, what turned out was if you type Saints into the American uh, Apple podcast, you just get New Orleans Saints stuff. Yeah. Um, I, at the time, didn't realize that iTunes was different everywhere, like different countries. It, 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 it works differently. So um, I wanted to make sure that when, when people put it in there, that they got, they got to Southampton. And so I decided to call it the, the Southampton Delivery um, based off the, off the stadium. And it turns out that uh, it, it does work well because if you if you use two L's in, in iTunes or something like that, uh, it comes right up. Um, if you search for it on the internet on Google though and use two L's, it usually just gives you pickup restaurants in Southampton, which is not necessary <laughs> necessarily what I want to do. But it's it, it, it's okay, you know. That that's all right. Um, so tell me a little bit about how you became a Southampton supporter. Um, yeah, it's interesting. You're an American, right? Living yeah. in California and become a Southampton fan. So give me a bit of that. So, I mean, so I just have to say like what you're doing is, is awesome because I, I think that taking the time to not just go with the big team, even if you wind up choosing a team that is in the top six, like the fact that you're going through this and looking into and really kind of trying to understand, I think the premier league uh, and the teams that are there um, is a lot more than, than a lot of people do. And I think that that's going to be some, some street cred when you get there and finally do kind of, you know, land on a team, I think people are going to be like, well, he actually tried to understand it, which I think is something we get accused. Uh, we as Americans get accused of not doing so. Um, kudos well, I'm to you a bit that. worried. I'm a bit worried that actually at the end of this, there's going to be like a handful of teams that I like. And so actually my fandom is going to be kind of like, Oh, not as hardcore as it could be, which I'm <laughs> not hoping for that, but there, it is, it's been fun to like investigate these different teams and find reasons to like a team. And I, find myself, my heart warm towards certain teams, you know? So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so for me, uh, I, I listened to some of your criteria you have, I, I don't like the color blue. So like half the blue teams were kind of out right away. Um, but I, I was really like, I wanted to make sure that the club, uh, you know, wasn't necessarily a, a front runner, but somebody who, who could, you know, from time to time, make a foray into Europe or, or make a cup run or something like that. 
Um, I wanted a team. I'm an Astros fan. I know you said you're a big baseball fan. I'm an Astros fan. Um, And I remember back in 2005 when Carlos Beltran was brought over, uh, we kind of just mortgaged everything on him. We gave away like half of our farm system. Um, We didn't win the World Series that year. And it was, it's been a pretty drastic kind of dry run for several years. And then now the farm system's there. And, and, uh, I remember that whole rebuilding process. So the Academy system of the team that I was going to choose was going to be important to me. Um, and as well as like, can I get there? Uh, I live about three hours from LA. Does LA fly there? So it, it didn't have to be Manchester or London, but it had to be somewhere that I could get to. I didn't necessarily want to drive to to Stoke, you know, like yeah. that wasn't something that was exciting to me. So like, uh, I could get to Southampton. Uh, it's about an hour outside of London. It's got more sunny days than anywhere else in England, which as a California kid, that's kind of necessary. That's a win. Uh, and, and yeah, and that, that, that was kind of like kind of all those things. And then I also, the high school I teach at, cause I'm a teacher is, uh, we're the saints and we're red and white. And so like when all those things kind of came together, it was like, this is the club for me. They have the Academy, uh, they have the weather, they have, um, you know, just a list of players that have gone on, uh, from Gareth Bale to Theo Walcott to Alex Oxley Chamberlain that have gone on and played elsewhere. Uh, do I wish they stayed at Southampton? Sure. But it's still nice to see them and, and know that we can produce that talent. Um, and, and at the point when I started producing the team, uh, or started watching the team, I guess, and supporting them, um, we had guys basically in the, in the England setup, um, from basically the under 18s to the under 23s to, uh, all the way up to the, to the senior team. And now it's kind of, uh, we're a bit, bit of a dry spell, but, uh, still super happy with my choice. Yeah, that's great. So tell me a little bit about the history. Why the saints? Um, tell me about the, the new stadium. I know they used to be with the Dell. Tell me right. about the new stadium, anything, anything you can that just would help me understand Southampton and why. So, you so I mean, the team itself, um, the, the new stadium is called St. Mary's and it, it's kind of all built around, um, that, that, that idea that, that the, the church was kind of central and it was kind of a, a thing in, in, in the, in, in the city. And the city is kind of a uh, blue collar, uh, a lot of shipping, a lot of stuff like that, but the, the entertainment in the city has always been the club. And so people are really, really drawn to it. Uh, if you look at the crest of the, of the, of the team. I'll definitely miss something in there, but it's got, it's got the ocean. It's got the sea, uh, because the ports there are, are super important. And, um, part of it is it's super deep water. Uh, but also the Isle of Wight that sits just off, just outside of there, um, means that because of the way it's situated, you get two tides a day. So you can get more and more shipping in and out. Um, and it's actually where the, uh, the Titanic sets sail from. Um, oh, okay. it wasn't built there, but it set sail from, the, from there. But, um, so the idea that it is connected to the water, if you look at a map of where St. Mary's is, it's right there kind of, uh, kind of on the water. And, um, all of that kind of plays a role into, into what the team stands for. And, and if you look at the fans that are around there, it's a, it's a lot of people who, who work really hard to, to be able to go to the matches and they, they support the team and, uh, they do get really angry when, <laughs> when the football doesn't go, uh, our way necessarily, but, um, for the most part, for most of their history, they've been exciting. They've been in a lot of, uh, relegation battles. They've been in a lot of, uh, things like that. Only, only the one kind of major trophy in, in the FA cup, uh, back in 1976. But, um, that is still something that whenever the team gets close, uh, we've been close a couple of times recently. It's this, 
I guess because it's not a big club, it's uh, or not, I don't want to say it's a small club, but because it's not one of these, uh, one, one of the big six, I guess it's uh, the fans don't expect that. So when it happens, um, it doesn't matter what else is happening or how unhappy we are with other parts of the club. Like everybody gets there and everybody's behind it. And that's kind of, uh, now, I didn't know that at the time, but now that I'm in, into it, I think that's, that's super, super awesome. And are you guys still alive in the Caribou cup? We are. So, so yeah. Uh, yeah, just barely got by Everton on, on penalties. Um, but, um, I, I would say that, that this season and last season, I mean, you, you watched the Chelsea match, uh, yeah. I assume. And so, yeah. um, what you saw there was pretty typical of the last, I would say two seasons. So this is the third season that's been happening. Um, and, and we'll, we'll get into it, but it, that, that isn't the type of football that they were playing when I, when I started watching. And it's not the type of football that most fans would associate with Southampton, Southampton. Uh, most people would, would uh, remember them as being very attacking, very open, very creative um, and, and going forward, pouring forward, scoring goals and also conceding a lot of goals. Um, and so I think a lot of fans now, uh, and I try to often ask people when I have them on the show is, is, you know, would you be happy if, if we lost four three rather than lost, you know, one to nothing, you know, wow. and a lot of people would say, yeah, I'd feel like I was getting some entertainment and, and it would last for a while, I think. And then people would get upset because you're still leaking all kinds of goals, but, but that's, that's just kind of how it goes, you know? Is that a philosophy that's come through Mark Hughes or, no, I think, um, so, so when I started watching, they had Southampton had, had dropped out of, out of, out of, out of the first division. They had gone all the way down to league one. Um, wow. and they had gone into, uh, on the brink of administration and they were penalized 10 points at the start of their league one season for financial mismanagement and things like things of that oh, nature. Wow. Okay. So, um, there's actually a guy with a blog, it's called league one minus 10. Uh, because that's where we started. Uh, and in league one, after league one, you go to league two. And then after that, you're basically in the conference, which is this, this something that I don't even understand, but it, it becomes very, very difficult to get out. Um, and a lot of clubs that drop down there, like they, it's very rare. I think that you see them kind of build all the way back up. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, and so they hung out there that was in, that was in 2005. Uh, and so they, they were around, they were around, they were kind of, um, you know, building, building and, and kind of trying to get things sorted out. Uh, they were purchased by a man named Marcus Lieber, uh, who put a bunch of money into the club, who is considered the, the, the savior of the club, really. Um, and basically from there, they were able to basically rise from League One to the championship and then directly in the Premier League and then have some of their best finishes of the Premier League ever. Uh, we finished as high as six one season. Uh, we missed European football by a, a, you know, a, a point or two one season. We got in uh, after uh, the next season. And so it was, was really great. And we were playing this great attacking football. Um, the, the coach that was there at the time when we initially came back up, uh, they got rid of him and they brought in, um, Mauricio Pochettino, who's now the coach of Spurs. Uh Um, he was there, he left and they replaced him with Ronald Koeman, uh, who is now the, the coach of the Netherlands, which is the the jersey I'm wearing. And if anybody knows, like I'm probably going to get in trouble for wearing this because, uh, the, the Dutch players we have right now, nobody likes him. And then the, <laughs> the ones we had before they're gone. So, um, but the, uh, that, that kind of era, uh, Pochettino, if you've watched Spurs at all, it's, 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 a, it's very attacking. It's very yeah. open. That's what people like. Um, that was, that was my first kind of introduction to them. Uh, Ronald Koeman was very much a, a counterattacking um, manager, but, he had the players, he had Sadio Mane who now plays for Liverpool. And we just, we terrorized people when we broke and it was great. 
Um, and then from there, we, we've kind of gone with managers who have come in and some of our players have been sold off and that's been a big kind of drawback, I guess. Um, so some of the, a lot of the players, a lot of the top talent are gone. They're spread all over the place. Um, and, and so now we've had three successive managers who have come in and said, we, we can't play that side of football. And so for me, I'm looking at it going, it's not, probably not the manager. It's probably, uh, the players and the club setup and just the lack of maybe that cutting edge that we used to have. And so, uh, but that's up for debate. Uh, a lot of fans kind of disagree. A lot of fans blame the managers. Um, I, I, I don't think we chose, uh, the right manager. I think we've missed twice. I think Hughes was the right guy last year. Uh, to save us from relegation. I'm not sure he was the right guy to take us forward, but um, still behind him because that's what you got to do. Yeah, for sure. And you'll see as the season progresses, right? Like that's, what's interesting to me is my first year following premier league football. I'm seeing like already the ups and downs of the season, right? You've got Watford start really strong. And then all of a sudden maybe they aren't as good or they're not as much of a surprise as we thought they might be. And West Ham on the other side, right? Like West Ham, I don't think one, I think they lost their first four matches or something and they've won a couple and they're starting to creep up the, the table a little bit. And so you just realize like, this is a long season, a lot's going to happen. And so, you know, for Southampton, obviously towards the bottom of the table is not a great place to be right now, but, but anything, anything can happen right as you move forward. So uh, one, one thing that I, that I could say there is I think that, you know, uh, football fans, English football fans, and, and I think football fans in general, it only takes two games or so before someone's in crisis, you know? Um, and, and coming from a baseball background, you play 162 games guys it happens where you win one out of 10 and nobody like people go, Oh, we got to fix some stuff. You know, like yeah. pitchers are, you know, pitchers have to do something or whatever it is, but like, it's not fire the manager, bring somebody else in. Yeah. Um, and still 38 games is not, it, it, it's not a ton, but it is a long time, but people are very quick to jump to conclusions. And I think I was, I was slow to understand that. I didn't understand that coming from a, a baseball background. So, um, you know, American football, I don't watch as much. Um, but you would think that if we did this the, the same way, it would be, you know, I mean, John Gruden would be out of a job right now with the Raiders. Like all yeah. these teams would just be, they'd be on their fourth or fifth manager for each season. And that just seems insane, but yeah, it, it is the reality, I guess. Yeah. Interesting. Tell me a little bit about what you, what do you love about Southampton? Like why, um, what would I love if I were a Southampton fan? So, I mean, I fell in love with the football. I fell in love with the club. Um, and, and I can say that more than anything else now, I I've fallen in love with a lot of the other fans, like, um, the, the camaraderie that I have with a lot of these guys, I, we, we talked about how you and I were, or, uh, came or you got my information basically from, from one of the other, um, podcasts and stuff like that. It's, um, those guys, I talked to them all the time. And whether it's on Twitter, whether it's through WhatsApp or whatever it is, like we can, we can check in, we can talk about football, we can talk about other stuff. And I, I don't have that even with, you know, the Houston Astros that I've been supporting since I was a kid. Like I don't have that same kind of connection. So I think the fact that Southampton is a small place, it's got a, you know, the, the stadium only seats 32,000. Like that's, it, it, it's like a sixth of the city that shows up to the games. And so it's like, that, that kind of tight knit group is, I think what I, what I enjoy the most. Um, I'm not, if I'm completely honest, I'm not really enjoying the football at the moment. Um, 
the, the way we approach games, um, makes me, it frustrates me a little bit, but, um, you know, I was a little down after the Chelsea game and even into Monday. Uh, but by the time the international breaks over, I'll be ready to, I'll psych myself up again and I'll be ready to go. And it, it, if it happens again, like, Oh, well, it's just kind of the cycle that it goes through and that's totally fine. And that's what's like, it's what's unique about this is we're choosing teams, right? Like you've chosen this team and, and I appreciate like the, the ability to just enter in and like, now you're a Southampton fan, right. And you know, and love the team and the club and it's more than just the players. It's more than the manager, it's the city and it's everything that the club stands for. And so now you're in and (laughs) if they get relegated, you're in. And if they, move up the table you're in and uh that's what being a a fan and a supporter is all about right and so that's what that's a fun adventure to be on i uh i did ask i mentioned the the kind of twitter community i'm I'm a big twitter heavy i'm heavy twitter user um and i asked some of them i was like hey can you give me some some ideas just some things some reasons i should tell them uh to support and and some people uh rational rich says I've been a Saints fan since 1984 and my advice is don't do it. It's far too. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, I've already, like, I've already got that one programmed in because, you know, and he just says it's, it's, it's disappointment. It's, it's punctuated by the odd outbreak of joy, but it is a lot of disappointment. And I think that's part of it because you don't win or you get relegated or whatever it is. Um, but it, it really it, the club is, is, is pretty fantastic. And, um, I think, I think they're just off course a little bit right now. I think they'll, they'll get back to, uh, to, to do it. And if you, if you've never gone down the kind of the YouTube rabbit hole of watching Matt Letizia play, uh, I don't know if you I haven't, no. um, is it, he, he was probably Southampton's, uh, greatest, most creative player. He's now a, a sky sports pundit, but, um, he is, uh, he scored the last goal at the Dell. He came on late. Um, he, it was, it was as fitting an end to that stadium as it could have been. Um, the intro, the, the, the radio call is in a lot of the podcast uh, intros that are Southampton based. And uh, that call is something that a lot of people that were there can still, they can tell you where they were. They can tell you kind of what the smell was like that day. Like it's one of those moments, you know, yeah. uh, what we kind of forget sometimes is that um, <laughs> there was a guy just moments after who I think hit the bar, like, and everybody was kind of hoping like, don't go in, like, don't, <laughs> don't go in because you don't want to ruin the story. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's awesome. Pretty, it's pretty great. I mean, that's what I love. That's what I've loved is I've entered in and um, Roger Bennett, I listened to, and really like he's super influential uh, through even me wanting to do this podcast. I listened to American fiasco fiasco over the summer, mm-hmm. uh, Roger, whenever you listen, I'm saving Everton for you. I try and mention <laughs> as many times as I can because Everton's yours. But I do love like he he talks about that, right? The joy and the pain and the suffering and like the the anguish of of football that it is so. And I think you even mentioned it in your podcast. Like every game hangs like I forget what the phrase was it used. It's cliche, but every match is like. Uh, fine margins a fine margin right and you saw that in this match and maybe this is a good time to to talk about the match but i mean a couple of like near well maybe not near misses actually the misses were pretty bad but like (laughs) open like open goals that should have been 
goals for for Southampton that would change the entire course of the match, right? Yeah. If they go in and and you recognize like a three a three nil loss was really close to being a much closer game. And on high, on the other side, like the statistics showed that Chelsea dominated the match, right? Oh, yeah. So, but a couple of shots on point that hit the back of the net. Yeah. Changed the course of the game. Right. So. Yeah. I, I think the scoreline was probably fair. Right. Yeah. And it was yeah. a fair reflection of how it all played out, but it didn't have to be that way. And, and um, I, one of the misses is Danny Ings. That's our brand new signing. He's a local guy. He came back from Liverpool. Is uh, he on loan? Or he's is on he, loan this year. Okay. Um, he's, okay. Because I saw that online. Because I, I did a little research. I was like, oh, this guy Danny Ings is a guy I, I enjoyed watching. He, mm-hmm. it was, he was fun to watch. I thought, oh, this is great. And then I looked and I saw, oh, he's on loan. I'm like, that sucks. Yeah. The one guy, like one of the guys I liked on the team is on loan. Yeah. So he, he, his transfer will become permanent, um, at the end of this season. Okay. Uh, so it so is plan. The plan is for him to be permanent. Yeah. He was okay. a deadline day signing. Um, we, we've been lacking a striker, uh, for a couple of, of seasons now. Um, at one point we had, uh, Dusan Tadic, who is, is not a striker, but he plays an attacking role. He's now at Ajax. Uh, we had Sadio Mane, who's now at Liverpool we have Graziano Pella, who for a while was the sixth highest paid footballer in the world. He's playing in China. Um, he is maybe the most gorgeous man uh, I've ever seen. Um, and so that was kind of our attacking kind of trio. Um, and, and it was great. And they've all kind of been sold. And that's really the story of, of Southampton is that we sell off a lot of players. And for so long, we were able to replace them. And we, we were able to kind of pick these guys out of the, the French second division or the English lower leagues or wherever and, and develop them because they were just missing something. And yeah. we were able to, to do that and then sell them for big money and then bring the next guy through. And I think that um, in some instances, uh, some respects that um, other clubs have caught up to the scouting network uh, where we're having to pay more money for those players. If you miss on one, it, it only takes one mistake to kind of fall apart. And that's kind of where we're at. But yeah. Um, so to get Danny Ings, uh, because we've sent a lot of players to Liverpool, um, a, a ton, uh, more than I care to, to, to mention. Um, but the most recent one being Virgil van Dijk, which is the yeah. big thing back. Um, and everybody knows. Um, but to, so to get Danny Ings back because he was injured, he wasn't getting a lot of playing time. He's behind that three that they have. Um, he came back and it was, he was happy to do it. We got him on deadline day. It was like a, we had to file an extension to get him in. Um, and I think the only way we can make all the finances work is if you do a loan now, uh, permanent at the end of the season uh, it's already done it's already decided it doesn't matter if he gets hurt or if he scores 55 goals or whatever it is he's coming for that price um, and we're all happy about it because he is like you said he's by far the he's probably the best player on the pitch for us right now yeah yeah so uh, let's talk about there's a couple things I noticed I'd love some some help understanding so right off the bat they mentioned uh, a new formation tell me a little bit about that yeah, so we have generally been playing this season uh, a four-four-two. So we played a three-four-three, which is uh, three center backs, uh, two wing backs, two central midfielders, and then and then three attacking players. That's what we played all preseason. Okay, um, we started with that against Burnley, um, and within you know uh, somewhere in the, in the in the shape of that game, we changed to a back four um, to play a four-four-two. So four ba- uh, two center backs, two 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 full backs four midfielders and then two attackers. Um, and that's kind of the traditional English system. Like, yeah. uh, you will hear a lot of people say, and they're going to play a four, four F and two, because that is 
kind of just the most, like it's the most kind of blunt system there is. And it's what everybody used to play. Um, and we played a, a back three again. Uh, we went back to the kind of the three, four, three for the Carabao cup match. Um, and I thought it was mostly because of the, we have five center backs, which, um, and, and, and I should say it's the system we used down the stretch last year to keep us up because we were kind of conceding too many goals. You put an extra defender back there and you kind of play on the counterattack and you just try to grind out results. Yeah. Um, and, and so when we, we, it, it didn't quite work at the beginning of the season. We changed to a four, four, two. And I was surprised when I, when we came out with, with the three, four, three this time. Um, and, but once again, uh, you saw us switch back to a four, four, two by the end of the, by the end of the game. And then a four, three, three, uh, for some point, uh, it, it, I mean, we were a mess. We were all over the place yeah. in terms of our formation. I think we had probably three or four different formations during the, during the match. Yeah. And I, I mean, and unfortunately, and that, I'm, I really want to see the team that I'm following each week win because it's a much yeah. more pleasant uh, podcast experience when we're talking all the positives. And unfortunately <laughs> it was just such a, it, it was a mess and uh, explain. I, I heard the commentators also mention Hughes shouting, get out, get out at the beginning of the match. Um, explain a little bit about that. Yeah, so he was kind of going into the match and the way he set the team up, he, he said that they weren't basically, uh, designed. The, the idea was not to play, um, basically try to soak up as much pressure, try to sit as deep in our, into our own penalty area as we can. And if you looked at a lot of, uh, a, a lot of that game, especially early on, maybe the first 20, 25 minutes, yeah. um, you had basically a, a row of five defenders, uh, and then you had a row of, of four midfielders and then you had one striker kind of off on his own and they were so compact. They were basically all in our own penalty area. And so when he's yelling, get out, get out, that's, that's get the ball away and then push up the field, make, make Chelsea come out with you, uh, make them get out of our area, give ourselves room to breathe and, and make a pass and be able to play. Cause at that point, if you get kind of too sucked back, all you wind up doing is just launching long balls. And, and then you're just hoping that you can, uh, you know, get score on the break and, and the way Liverpool's center backs are sorry, the way Chelsea's center backs uh, work, that, that wasn't going to happen. So yeah. he was just, he wanted us to, to kind of get out and, and get into the game. And, and, he, and we did at some point, we got out and we actually played some nice passes and yeah, the second, the second like part of the, the first half was much more lively, right? Like you saw a lot more action. I mean, that's when Ings has his miss, I think, but right. Um, much more lively, much more entertaining uh, football. But what, what do you think happens? I mean, you're not in the minds of these players, but I assume they come into the match with that mentality to play more pressing and not sit back so much. What happens there? Cause obviously Hughes has prepped these guys. They have a game plan going in and immediately, immediately that's the narrative, right? I mean, Chelsea had the ball in that third of the field for, the entire first 20 minutes it felt like yeah so i mean most teams they they say that if it, like chelsea you play any of the top six like they're probably going to dominate the ball but it shouldn't be two-thirds of possession to them when they're at your place like it should be closer to maybe 40 60 it should be maybe 45 55 like that's probably what is is, is acceptable yeah when home fans sit there and and you may not know this but like Chelsea and Leicester city have won as many home games since I think last November as, as saints have. Uh, so the saints fans sit at St. Mary's have only seen two home wins in the premier league in almost a calendar year. 
Um, so that's kind of some of the, uh, so so when the, when the fans see us kind of just sitting back and sitting back, um, I'm not sure if it's a mentality thing where if the guys just don't trust themselves, they don't, they don't think we are as good as Chelsea and we can go out and play with them. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, you know, that Eden Hazard is going to run at you, you know, he's going to be dangerous. Um, but, but to, to do that, to sit that deep, it it just invites, it invites pressure. It invites more pressure. And eventually the one little mistake you make, which is how they, I think they get their second goal that way. Um, where we make a mistake, we make a tackle, we lose the ball and then Hazard's in and and that's it. And then it's all, it's all bad. Yeah. uh, And that again, just unfortunate, right? Like one mistake and then Hazard's in and puts it in the back of the net. Um, this is not so much about the match specifically, but one of the commentators was taught. I don't even know what he was saying, but he mentions, and then they'll put a cherry on top. And then the other commentator said, Hey, don't mention cherry around here. What, yeah. what's the deal with that? So, um, our, our rival is, is Portsmouth. Um, okay. but they are currently not in, uh, they are in league one. Uh, they okay. are the top of League One, which we don't like to talk about. Um, <laughs> they won League Two last year, or maybe the year before. But anyway, they're in League One. So if we get relegated and they get promoted, we could play them uh, next year in the championship. So that's that's a thing. But um, because they're not in the top flight, uh, our next kind of nearest geographical rival, which is no no true real saint, uh, considers them a rival, but it's Bournemouth, who are the Cherries. Um, Got so it. that. That would be uh, basically the, uh, they would say the, the media trying to stoke a little bit of a rivalry um, in, in the thing, but really Bournemouth is a nice city. Like nobody, nobody really hates Bournemouth. Um, they have a good team and they're playing very well. Um, but yeah, that's, that's the cherries. We don't mention the cherries really. Uh, but it, it, it's more like a, it's kind of like your older brother or your younger brother, you know, you might, you might give each other to, to each other a little bit, but it's not your arch enemy, which Got is, it. which is so Portsmouth. Portsmouth is the arch enemy and Bournemouth is yeah. just who everyone wants you. If, you. if your rival isn't around, then find someone yeah. else to pick on, I guess. So that's right. That's right. Okay. That makes sense that I just want to, I have to mention that, that Redmond strike, like <laughs> they hit the crossbar. That was beautiful the save with i mean the thing i don't know if it would have gone in like obviously the play the chelsea keeper made was great but right what a beautiful strike from distance i mean it is and and that's kind of what we want we want to see more of that we want to see guys take uh, a chance um and redmond has so much uh pace so much raw talent so much ability um but he was so the fans got on his back last year and he kind of uh, he said it affected him. And, and so this year, I think uh, there's been kind of, I, at least among my group of, of friends, you know, uh, where there's been the kind of concerted effort to, to make sure we're behind him. You know uh, he went and did a bunch of work in the off season. He didn't really take a big off season. Uh, he worked really hard on his, his strength and his conditioning and he's come back and he looks much, much more motivated. Um, he's, he's kind of my favorite thing now, right now is to watch him kind of, get the ball out on the, uh, on the touchline and just run at a defender. And you just kind of want him to do that. And so when he finds himself in that space, he takes the nice little touch uh, and then he gets it out of his feet quickly and has the shot. And it's like, Oh, like you just want one to fall for him because you know that 
he's, it, it, I don't know what kind of emotion is going to come out of him or the fans or me when that happens. But like, I was kind of hoping that was going to be it, but it was, oh. it was, it was a beautiful strike. It was such a good strike. It was so fun to watch. And I mean, I think between Ings, Ings, Redmond, I, and that's the other thing I'm trying to do, right. Is find players that, that appeal to me or that for whatever reason during the game were, were entertaining to watch. And Ings and Redmond were two of the guys that I noticed. Um, I know Bertrand, maybe there were some, some problems within the match, but that cross he put, the cross he put on that, was it his cross? I think that Ings. It was. Yeah. Beautiful cross. I mean, just, just great. And that's, I mean, that's our, our left back who makes that run. He overlaps Redmond. Yeah. Uh, and, and goes by him. And that's something that they, the chemistry wasn't quite there last year all the time. And then that ball that he puts in, um, I mean that not to like overstate, but that's a world-class like cross. Like that is, that's what you want your, your, your international level center or, or left back to be doing is whipping that ball in there and putting it on the spot for your striker who should put it away. Um, but we haven't seen it enough from him. And that's part of the reason he's not in the England squad right now. Um, and in truth his his, England career is probably over with some of the guys they've called in, but um, he is one of my favorite players, uh, possibly because I'm left-footed and I and I I'm timid and so I play left back, but I like watching him play uh, probably more than anybody else. I wish um, I'm not sure he's the best captain. He's maybe just not assertive enough. Um, he got booked, uh, you know, th- this week yeah. for, but but hey, like you know, you gotta you gotta give it to him, and he is he, he's good, and he'll he'll. I think he'll be, a, he, he's stayed around for longer than most, most of the guys he played with and came in with have gone. Um, but he stuck around and is, is made his presence kind of well-known at the club. Well, he wasn't the only person to get booked, right? I think, I think there was a flurry of bookings <laughs> yeah. towards the end of that match, which yeah. I could imagine frustration boiling over. Yeah. And, and kind of just being not quite, uh, the, the announcers said they're kind of you know off the pace. They're not quite there. They're not quite fast enough. Uh, and, and that's what happens is you, you get late tackles and some of them were, were cynical. Uh, some of them were just pulling guys back because you were beat and that's kind of lazy. Um, but you know, it, for a whole plethora of reasons, we, we got beat up and down the pitch that day. So, um, enough to six bookings, I guess, gets you a fine. I, I was unaware of that before the match, but oh really? Uh, yeah, it's, it's yeah, it becomes, fine. yeah. Uh-huh. So, uh, I don't know how much or if it actually matters, but yeah, so we'll see. And, and they do add up over the course of the season. So um, you, you guys will have to miss a match or two at some point uh, if they get so many bookings, which uh, we have a couple guys who generally get to that level. So <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, anything else about the team? Any other players? I mean, I'll, I'll, I'm sure I'll see them play a couple more times over the course of the season, but any other players I should keep my eye on or that you particularly like? So, I mean, I'm a big defensive guy, but um, we have a couple guys who our midfield is, is pre- actually pretty decent. Our midfield, too, of uh, Pierre-Emile Hoiberg and Mario Lamina. Um, Hoiberg came over from Bayern Munich. He, was, he, was, uh, he played under Pep, Pep Guardiola at Bayern Munich. Yeah. Um, Mario Lamina was on uh, the Juventus side that lost the Champions League final. Um, he actually played in that match. Uh, came on as a sub. Um, they are, they are quality players. Uh, they've struggled to kind of figure out how they fit in the team. Um, but Hoiberg is somebody that a lot of people have said, uh, will be our captain. He's often the guy that gets sent out to talk to the media after a three nil loss or after a drubbing. And, um, he's, he's brutally honest. Uh, they're both, uh, Hoiberg's young. Lamina is, is, 
you know, not, not super young, but young enough. And they are very talented. Um, we really lack though. I mean, you, you have Ings, you have Redmond. Um, I would say those four are, are people to watch. Uh, there's another guy, Muhammad el He wasn't on the pitch. He was actually in the stands. Um, he's one of our new signings, but he is, uh, at least in my head, he, he scored a ton of goals for Basel last year and the year before. Um, and so I think he's somebody who could definitely do it, but, um, finding him finding a place in the team, especially with the formation change to back to a four, four, two, it's, it's not what he was brought in to do. So it's, it's, I I would say those two midfield players are, are guys to keep your eye on, especially Hoiberg. So each week we focus on a term of the week, some, something I hear something that maybe uh, most Americans won't understand. And, Unfortunately, <laughs> this week, the term I heard over and over during the match was this term under the cosh. Uh, help me understand what that means or help my listeners understand. Yeah. So, so cosh is uh, just a, like a big heavy stick that you would often use as a, as, as a weapon just to bludgeon somebody. Oh. And, and, and the way the, man, the announcers were using it was basically Southampton were under the cosh, meaning Chelsea were just beating us back and back and back and it's it, you kind of use it to describe like you're under pressure you're in a bad situation uh and it kind of goes back to uh i think originally it comes from um the american term kind of under the gun so it, there's some pressure there uh and if you think back to hughes yelling get out get out get out it's, it's because we were under the cosh and we needed to relieve that pressure and kind of basically stand up and fight our way back into the game and so um, yeah, it, 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 you never want that to use against your team at some point though, during every game, you will be under the cosh a little bit, you know, yeah. like it, even if you're dominant, there will be periods where the opposition kind of plays their way uh, onto a little bit, but, uh, you don't want to hear uh, <laughs> kind of said over and over, uh, but it's a, it's a term that we've been throwing around a lot this season. So it's, yeah. it's just kind of the way it goes. Well, Matt, I really appreciate you coming on. This has been a great uh, privilege. It was great to listen to your podcast and uh, really thankful. Can you let our listeners know where they can find you on uh, Instagram, Twitter? You said you're on there uh, and remind us all of the name of your podcast so people can subscribe and listen. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, uh, and thanks for having me, man. Like this has been great. I, I think I rambled like, uh, so I apologize. No, this to... is so good. I love it. <laughs> right. um, so the, my podcast is the Southampton delivery podcast. Um, it's on, on kind of all the normal places. Um, but I'm on Twitter at SFC D E L L underscore I V E R Y that's on Twitter and Instagram. And we're at facebook.com forward slash SFC delivery. Um, and I, you know, it's just me. I say we, cause I think it, I don't know why I think it's like a habit <laughs> it's the of ro- the Royal. We. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so, so I, uh, you know, we, see i did it again podcast uh other stuff uh, pre-match stuff so i try to try to do try to do that all and and i get a lot of help from other people around the around the internet and and i i can only hope that your journey to to do this is is uh i hope you learn some stuff about uh some of the cities and other things like that i think there's so much out there that is uh that's there for you to kind of uncover and and you're going to stumble across something that's just going to make it click and it doesn't necessarily have to be southampton uh i just i want you to find the right team Thanks, man. Well, I appreciate it. Thanks for giving up your time. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. Yeah. Good night. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Football Neophyte. Our theme song is Something Elated by Broke for Free. 
Thanks also to One Mission, a community development organization giving people in poverty the opportunity to earn a house by serving their community. If you like these podcasts, go to onemission.org slash donate and make a donation to this amazing organization. 100% of your donation will go directly to our projects and programs in the field and be tied directly to a family. That's onemission.org slash donate. Recording, mixing, everything is still done by me, Nate Hughes. I'm getting a little better, but that setup Matt had makes me very jealous. I'll get there someday. We're now on iTunes and Google Play. We're getting out there. Uh, If you like the podcast, please rate us and comment. You can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Football Neophyte. That's Football Neophyte without the E. We'll be back in a few weeks after the international break and after a brief pause for some work travel that I have with a new episode where we'll be featuring Crystal Palace. So stay tuned. Grace, peace, and love. Drexler, what do you think about these Reno fans? Boring. Boring? Boring and annoying.